Philippians chapter 1, go there now if you haven't already. As we prepare to look and continue our study in this little letter of Philippians, we're reminded that Christians sure have a strange way of defining joy when compared to the way the world defines joy. The world might look at us and say, you're, you're pretty weird, you're pretty strange how you define joy. St. Cyprian wrote this to his friend Donatus in the third century, so it's nothing new. He wrote this, This seems a cheerful world, Donatus, when I view it from this fair garden under the shadow of these vines. But if I climbed some great mountain and looked out over the wide lands, you know very well what I would see. Thieves on the high road, pirates on the seas, in the amphitheaters, men murdered to please the applauding crowds, under all roofs, misery and selfishness. It really is a bad world, Donatus, an incredibly bad world. Yet, in the midst of it, I have found a quiet and holy people. They, are they have discovered a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of this sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. These people, Donatus, are the Christians, and I am one of them. That's the same attitude that we hear from the Apostle Paul when we read this letter to the church at Philippi. If we pay attention, we hear that same note played through Paul's words. Paul's example, I think, it's amazing to us, Paul's example. One commentator says about Paul's joy, Consider the Apostle Paul sitting in prison. The happiest man in Rome was in jail. I wonder if we would be able to say that about ourselves if we were in prison for preaching the truth of the gospel as Paul had been. So what is true joy? How can you have it? How can you learn to live for the joy that God gives and not the happiness the world promises but can't deliver? How can you know the kind of joy that Paul has? We're seeing answers to those questions, and in these early verses of Philippians 1, it's becoming clear. And we've learned that God gives true joy only to people who have trusted in Jesus Christ. We need to get that clear in our thinking that if you have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you, you will not find the joy that only God gives His followers, those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. True joy begins there through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And then God calls believers to serve Him and live for His glory and for the good of other people in Christ, with the gospel. And when believers live this way, God gives joy. It's, it's truly a miracle. It is not something that we can explain, in fact, to the world. It's, it's something that they need to experience through faith in Christ and through obedience to Christ. And it's something that we'll only experience through obedience to Christ. And when believers live this way, God gives joy. We can rejoice in that. Even now, we can have joy. Even in the midst of turmoil and, and the unknown, what seems like, you know, what, what's going on, right, in the, in the culture and the world in which we live with, 
with the elections and with COVID and, and, and unrest, we ought to rest in this wonderful truth that joy is ours in the Lord. He promises it. He gives it to His children. God is the source of true joy and happiness through the grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw it in verse 2. We saw it last Sunday in verses 3 through 6 in Paul's example. God gives true joy to believers who are pursuing thankfulness to God, persistent prayer, partnership in the gospel with other believers, and confidence in Christ. True joy is ours when we pursue these things in Christ. Today, we continue to see examples of Paul's source of true joy as we move to verses 7 and 8. I thought about this this week. I think, am I dwelling too much on joy? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> we, we, as long as the scriptures keep pointing to this, we're going to keep talking about this. We need the joy of the Lord as our strength. I don't think we can talk about it too much. What we'll see is that Paul's joy was a result of truly loving people. It's evident here in the verses that we're going to look at. To know true joy and happiness, God's Word shows you that you need to learn to love people. And we have a powerful example of how to love people in verses 7 and 8. We're going to focus our attention on those two verses today. But I want to begin, I actually want to begin at the beginning, go back to verse 1. And just read through these verses and go a little bit further than where we'll, we'll look this morning, just to set the context for these verses that we're going to look at. So follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read from mine, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Philippians 1, verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. When you think of who Paul was, you can't help but think of a man of strength. He boldly proclaimed the gospel through adverse circumstances. He suffered through shipwrecks. 
through imprisonments, through beatings. But his faith never wavered. He stood firm. He was bold. He told the truth even when the truth wasn't popular. We need truth tellers today, don't we? We need people to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ and keep speaking the truth of the Bible again and again, whether it's popular or not. Paul was also, not only was he a strong individual, but he was also a man of great joy. We can hear it here in the way he writes what he writes, empowered and inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he was joyful in part because of his deep affection for God's people. And this is going to serve us well as we anticipate and look forward to the joy that only God can give us. His children. If you're His child, God wants you to have His joy. And you can anticipate His joy if you'll pursue obedience to His Word. In, in this aspect, I think we see clearly here how Paul loves God's people. And, and, and we need to learn to love God's people if we really want the joy of the Lord as our strength. In fact, we need to learn this because this is a major reason God has put the church in the world. To love people toward Christ. Forget what political signs your neighbor has in his front yard. Forget your noisy, noisy neighbor's four-wheeler at all hours of the night. Forget your, your neighbor's barking dog. <laughs> we need to learn to love people toward Christ, and it begins in the household of God. It begins by learning how to love each other. And I'm not suggesting you don't know how. But I am suggesting that we always will need to be reminded as long as we're living in this world. And we won't be able to love people toward Christ if we aren't learning how to love each other and keep learning how to love each other. Today we're going to continue to see in the example of Paul his source of true joy and we'll see his deep affection for the people of God that God put in his life. And God wants us to learn to love people like this. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love each other. The so is, if God so loved us, how's that? He died for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus Christ who died, crucified for our sins. God the Son, the sacrifice for sinners. If God so loved us in that way, we also are to love one another. So let's pay attention to Paul's focus on love that will help us, I think this will help us learn to love the people God has put in our lives, beginning here, and then overflowing out of this place and into the communities in which we live and into the people's lives that we interact with. God has put those people there for us to interact with them and point them toward Jesus. So note first, Paul focused on learning to love like Jesus. That's the first focus this morning that I see, and I want you to see here in the text. Paul was learning to love like Jesus. Are you learning to love like Jesus? Now, what do I mean by that? What does it mean to love like Jesus? I mean, and the Bible means for us to get this, 
that you have to move people from merely loving them in your head to loving them from the heart. It's one thing to think of people, to have kind feelings for people, but it's something more meaningful to truly love them as God intends for us to love them. Paul says in verse 7, look at it again. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. Now that phrase, I hold you in my heart, it points to his strong feelings, his strong thoughts about them. This is not a throwaway, I'll be thinking of you. (laughs) We're so quick to say that. I'll be thinking of you. You Someone tells us about a problem that they have. We may even say, "I'll, I'll pray for you. And I think we need to be careful about that. We need to make sure we're going to pray for them if we say that. But the culture that we live in is really quick to say, thoughts and prayers. I'll be thinking of you. This is not that. This is a deeper, more affectionate, strong feelings and thoughts that Paul has when he says, I hold you in my heart. He's serious about his affection for these people. And to get to this kind of affection for people, this kind of deep care, you've got to learn to love like Jesus. Paul shows us the love of Jesus for people in chapter 2, where he writes that Jesus, in verse 7, chapter 2, Philippians, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. We need to wrap our minds around what it means for us to love like Jesus with passages like that in our thinking. Paul had been learning to love people that way, the Jesus way. He was actually giving himself for the sake of God's people. He was imprisoned for the sake of God's people. He was imprisoned for the sake of preaching the gospel, the good news, so that people would become God's people. He was preaching the word. He was imprisoned because he loved people who needed to hear the gospel more than he loved his freedom. I wonder if we'll get there as God's people, that we love people more than we love our freedoms as Americans. It's easy for us to get sidetracked by the freedoms that we enjoy. It's easy for us to think that those are more important than what we enjoy as God's people here on earth, living as God's people in this culture, rubbing shoulders with people who need Jesus. So how do we learn to move from merely thinking nice thoughts about people to truly loving them like Jesus? putting their freedom in Christ above our freedoms in this world. I think we must be shaped by the Word of God. We cannot learn to love like Jesus if we are not being shaped by, changed by, the Bible. That's a life that's centered on, instructed by, and obedient to God's Word. A life that's centered on the Word of God. A life that's being changed by the Bible and becomes obedient to God's Word is going to be shaped to love people from the heart. 
You will not be able to avoid it. If you're being submissive to God's Word, your heart will be changed and it will become more and more loving to people, the people around you. And that only happens in the life of a believer in Jesus who is being shaped by the Bible. The Bible moves you from only sentimental good feelings for people to actually serving them for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for their own good, even though it may be risky and costly to you. So I would challenge you, I would ask you, are you reading the Bible for yourself throughout the week? I mean, that's where it really needs to begin. It can't be only that we gather on Sunday to hear the scriptures proclaimed and read publicly. We also need to read them for ourselves throughout the week. Read the Bible. Listen to the Bible being read. Listen carefully as you read for how God wants your thinking about people and life and situations to change. Because we naturally gravitate toward the negative, toward the selfish, toward the anxious. And God does not want us to be there. With His Word, we can be confident living in this world in which God has placed us because we know that He is in control. Because His Word teaches us that again and again. God wants our thinking about people and life and situations to be conformed to the truth of His Word. That's being submissive to God's Word. That's being centered on the Word. We need to be all about that as a church. We need to be centered on the Word. That's what God, God has given us to instruct us. To Those are our marching orders, so to speak. Now, it was risky, and it was costly for Paul to learn to love like Jesus, but because he did, he was able to tell them, I hold you in my heart. Powerful, powerful sentiment, but it wasn't just a sentiment. It was the truth, and he acted on that love. And the fact that he was in chains, that he was imprisoned, was proof that he loved them and cared for them more than he cared for his freedom because he was willing to preach the truth of the gospel, come what may. And that brings us to another focus of Paul's love. He focused on having a sincere love for partners in the gospel. Again, it's got to begin here as we partner together in the gospel, loving each other. We saw this last week in verse 5 when Paul pointed to their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That's there in verse 5. Their partnership in the gospel began on that first day that he brought the gospel to them many years earlier, about 10 years prior to this. And the Philippian believers had stood by Paul through his imprisonment and through his defense of the gospel. So he can say in verse 7, For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Well, that phrase, this defense and confirmation of the gospel it could be referring to paul defending himself during his imprisonment in rome or it could have referred to his ministry in general of defending the gospel of christ whatever the case these believers were partakers with him in defense of the gospel of the lord jesus christ they were clear on their purpose as god's people these believers were partakers with paul of grace Stop and think about that grace. What grace is that? He's talking about their common bond in Jesus Christ. 
They shared in the same gift of salvation through faith in Christ alone. That is God's grace poured out on them through the death, the resurrection, and life of Jesus Christ. Note, too, that as partakers, they also had partnered with Paul in spreading the gospel, sharing the gospel themselves. See, to know true joy, we need to be partakers together in the gospel also. I trust that as you gather on a Lord's Day like this, you leave refreshed and encouraged. I hope you do. But that's not only why we're here. We come together to partner together in this gospel work to make the Word of God known, to make Jesus known. Are there difficulties? Yes, there are. Will there be difficulties in this fellowship? Yes, there will be. In fact, the longer we serve in this church together, the more we will experience difficulties together. <laughs> Many of you have experienced difficulties together. You know this is true. But the longer we serve God in this place, the more difficulties we will experience together. And some of those experiences may tempt us to want to move on and find someplace else that doesn't have difficulties. Like, you know, this place was perfect until I got here, right? We know that we're not perfect people, right? You realize that when you leave one place, you'll find the problems you left behind sitting on the doorstep of the next place. You see, for the sake of our partnership in the gospel together and for the sake of our joy and the joy of people around us, you realize that we ought to be concerned about the joy of the people around us in this fellowship. That not only we're thinking about ourselves, which we naturally do, I want joy. But I ought to want you to have joy also. And so for the sake of our partnership in the gospel together and for the sake of our joy and the joy of people around us, we need to be people who are committed to being faithful to the work before us for the long haul. We ought to be in this preaching and proclaiming Jesus Christ until He come. That's for the long haul. Now, how do you give yourself to this gospel work with God's people for the long haul? I think it begins by asking God for His help. <laughs> because you cannot do this in and of your own strength. Ask God for sincerity of heart for people. Ask God for help in loving your brothers and sisters in Christ and, and serving for their joy. Ask God for help. Paul says in verse 8, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. I think his yearning had to include his praying. He does talk about how he prays for them. And so pray this for yourself first that you would have sincerity of heart for God's people, that you would long to live together in unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ as you partner together in the gospel. And then pray this for your brothers and sisters in Christ, that they would have the sincerity, this attitude that longs for the people around you to, to experience the joy of the Lord as, as their strength. 
that longs to partner with brothers and sisters in Christ for the sake of the gospel being proclaimed in this community and around the world. Pray this for yourself first and then pray it for others, that God will grow this kind of sincerity, this attitude in you as you serve alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ. God loves to answer sincere prayers like this. This is what God wants for us. Paul shows us the kind of love that we need for each other as we partner together in the gospel. Over in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor, loving one another. And in 1 Timothy 1.5 he writes, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. If you want to know the joy of the Lord, if you want to know true joy, then you need to learn to love like Jesus the people that he has placed in your life to partner with for the sake of the gospel. God most certainly wants our love for him and our partnership in the gospel to spill over into and flow through the communities in which we live. We represent many communities in this room this morning. And you have neighbors whom God has put you next door to, and you have coworkers whom God has put you to work beside. And you have family members that God wants you to love for the sake of their joy in the Lord. Our love needs to start here in this place, loving one another as God has shown us how to love like Jesus. We need a Christ-like love if we're going to know true joy. We need to be people with tender hearts like Paul had, people who love their spouses, people who love their children, their families, their brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, learning to love the Jesus way. And hearts that love like Paul loved are joyful hearts. You won't be able to escape it. God will give you his joy as you learn to love this way. Let's ask God to grow in us a love like that. Let's make that our prayer. Let's make that our desire that God would grow in us a love like Paul's, a love like Jesus loved. Let's ask God that right now. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, we do ask, God, that you would grow in us a Christ-like love. Lord, help us to learn to love as we see demonstrated in Paul's life for these believers. Help us to learn to love each other. Lord, I rejoice in what I see in this fellowship. I rejoice. I see love for people, love for each other. God, help us to never take this for granted and help us to examine carefully our own hearts this morning.
Help us to see where we need to grow in this godly discipline of love for each other because this is where it begins. We realize this. And we realize that your program for the world is not the president or the government, but your program for the world is the church. And Lord, help us to be the church in this community, in these communities in which we live. Help us to be the church that honors you and glorifies you and loves one another and loves unbelievers toward you with the gospel. Strengthen us for this, we pray. Help us to center our lives on the word, we pray. Change our thinking, we pray. And Lord, we'll take great hope and confidence in knowing that you'll give joy, that you'll help us to rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what, even as we see happening in Paul's life, as he's facing hardship and difficulty, he rejoices in the Lord always. Lord, help us to be people like that. Strengthen us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you take your hymnal?